Hello, and welcome to Simple Gospel, a Share the Love podcast. Simple Gospel is all about sharing real testimonies of how God has moved in someone else's life. And all testimony means is do it again. Because if God can do something in one person's life, He can and will do it in yours. So put your feet up, relax, and do what you need to do. But let's listen in and watch God do it again. Hello, welcome to Simple Gospel Season 2, Episode 1. I hope you guys are doing great. Uh, as this is the first episode I've done in a few months now. Um, welcome back, glad to be back. Uh, this season is all about healing. Now, I can guess what you're saying. Like, oh, what kind of healing are we talking about? Spiritual healing? We're talking about mental healing? No, I'm talking about, I mean, yes, talking about spiritual healing. I'm talking about mental healing. But more specifically, I'm talking about physical healing. Like, I'm talking Acts chapter 2, Breaking the Laws of Nature, Healing. So, before I share any testimonies, I already know there's going to be people, and I know this because I used to be one of them, are going to be people, oh, that stuff's, who say that that stuff's not for today. They'll say that, Oh, gifts of healing and prophecy and tongues, that all died off with the apostles. I feel like one of the biggest lies Satan has sold the church is that God no longer operates in power. Um, but let's... Instead of just hearing my opinion on this, I'd like to dive into Scripture. And because Jesus lived his life as an example for us. Um, at the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28 actually. This is right before he goes to, like, right before he ascends into heaven. And this is out of the King James, Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, them being the twelve. Okay, so that's his direct audience. Well, technically eleven. And he spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, now catch this part, this is important, teaching them to observe all things 
that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, so part of Jesus' parting instructions when he left was to teach them to observe all things I have commanded you. Again, he's talking to the 11 remaining disciples. And when you observe all things, like if I were to pull up Strong's Concordance right now, let's see, reserve, observe all things. It's tereo is the Greek for those of you who are beginning of the words. And it means to attend carefully to take care of, to guard, to keep, to observe, and to reserve. So, Jesus is saying, guard all things that I have commanded you. Take care of everything that I have commanded you. Observe everything I have commanded you. That, that means keep everything I have commanded you. So that includes, like, not just keep that, not just them keep what was commanded, but they're to teach their followers to observe everything God commanded them. So, we go back. See if I can find this here. So we can look at some of the stuff that Jesus commanded them. Like in Matthew chapter 5, for example, we have Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. So we have the Beatitudes. Um... But, like, that's not where it ends. It doesn't just end with that. Like, if we go to Matthew chapter 10, um, it says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, so this is Judas, the man who betrayed him, included. When he called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then it goes on to name the twelve. Then it says, These twelve, Judas, wow, okay. So these twelve, Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter the cities of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel as you go. Preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he continues, he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And he goes on to tell them how they should go. He says, don't have gold or silver or copper in your money belts, uh, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff for a worker is worthy of his food. 
And he's talking about this specific, like, journey, but part of what he commanded them to do is to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Now, these are what we might call mere, mere men. And I know what you're thinking, or what you could be thinking. One of two things. Either one, amen, brother, keep it going. That's one possibility. The other, which may or may not be more likely, is like, well, yeah, that was Jesus commanding them to go on that specific missionary journey. Well, thankfully, Matthew isn't the only account of Jesus, his life, his ministry, and his commandments to his followers. If we look at Mark chapter 16, go to the same point in history as Matthew 28. And Mark records more of what he says. And this is after he rebuked them for their unbelief uh, because they didn't believe those who had seen him. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow, as in they'll come after, they'll, they'll go behind those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. Then he finishes with, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So it doesn't say, these signs will follow you eleven when you believe. No, he says, these signs will follow those who believe. That is an open invitation for belief. That is, that's Jesus saying, like, anyone who believes that I can do this through them, these signs will follow. And it says that they went out preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them, and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. As in God was confirming what Jesus said with accompanying signs. And you're probably like, okay, Tony, that, that's fine. But, you see, those signs were for the establishment of the New Testament canon and making sure that the apostles were recognized as authorities and that what they said was actually the word of God. And it's like, I get that. Like I get that you would have that because only Christ can set apostles in their office. But if it were just for the apostles, what about Stephen the martyr? Just think about that. If it was just for the apostles, what about Stephen the martyr? 
because Steven only had one qualification. Like, that's it. He had one qualification. So in Acts chapter 6, there was a complaint against the Jewish Christians by the Gentile Christians that the widows of the Gentile Christians were being neglected. So the apostles got together, they are like, all right, we need to figure something out, so let's choose, I believe it was seven. Let's see. Yeah, let's seek out seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the people uh, chose this, and they chose Stephen a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, and the word of God spread, and the, multi and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. A great many of the priests were um, obedient to the faith. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Let me repeat that. This is Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was not an apostle. No, at best he is what we would call Today, a deacon of the church. Not an apostle, but a deacon. And he ended up being stoned. So now, another deacon was mentioned. And that was Philip. So, in Acts chapter 8, Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, being a deacon of the church, Philip, he went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Philip was not an apostle. Stephen was not an apostle. What if we back up to Acts chapter 5? So, Acts chapter 5 is primarily, like, it starts off with a Christian couple, Ananias and Sapphira. If you're not familiar with this story, at the time, the church was growing. It was growing exponentially, and people were selling their houses, they were selling their land, and they were, they were giving the profit from that and laying it at the apostles' feet so it could be dis distributed to those who were in need. 
Now, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold their house and their land. And they kept back part of the profit of what they sold. And then they took what they did not hold back. They, they took what they weren't saving and they gave it to the apostles as if, and this is where their sin was, as if that's what they sold the land for. And the Holy Spirit works through Peter. And Peter calls him out that Satan has filled Ananias' heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. And so Ananias ends up dropping dead. Later, Sapphira comes in. Peter goes, hey, did you sell the land for this much? Which is the amount that they claimed. And so Sapphira's like, yeah, we sold, we sold the land for that much. And Peter answered her, tell me. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately, boom, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And young men came in, found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband, and great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Now, there's, there's a reason the church as a whole has failed to walk in the miraculous. And I believe it's found right here in Acts chapter 5. Because so I think, like, we could have seen so much more done by the early church. Granted, the early church did a lot. And we could see so much more done by the body of Christ even today, especially in the midst of a pandemic. But Acts chapter 5, verse 12 says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest, meaning none of the rest of the Christians, none of the rest of the believers, dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. How often do we put people on a pedestal? How often do we lift people up over God up? Like how often do we cling to what one person says the Bible says over what the Bible actually says and what's being taught? Because scripture says that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, for correction. Like, it's, it's good for all of that. That's what it's there for. And it gives us a glimpse into what God can and does do through people. Like, we see all through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, God talking to people, God working in and through people. And, like, even, like, not even everything that Jesus did during his ministry 
was recorded in the scriptures. Like the four gospels, they don't they don't encompass everything. In fact, even John, like John even says that. Like he's like, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. So, like, it's just, it's mind-blowing to me that we try to limit God the way we do. And, like, yes, God is all-powerful, and he can do anything he wants to because he's God. But do you know what he does? He will limit himself to spare you from hell. Let me, let me repeat that. God will limit himself to spare you from hell. Which means, if a belief that God is a healer offends you so much that that you just can't believe in God as that and you don't believe him to be a, a healer, then according to your faith, let it be so. Like, according to your faith, like in certain aspects, God will limit himself to what you believe and what you allow him to do. And Jesus lived a life on this earth to model the kind of life we as joint heirs with Christ could live. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Tony, that's blasphemy. No, because Scripture says, as in God inspired it, he spoke that we're not just heirs, but we're joint heirs heirs with Christ. That means what Christ inherits is what we inherited. That's an interesting thought because if you look at Jewish culture, at the age of 30 during that time when you turn 30 years of age, whether your father was alive or not, that's when you inherited your father's inheritance at 30 years old. Now, let's let's put this in perspective because some of you are like, oh, I get, I get what you're saying. Others, maybe not so much. But if we look at Jesus's ministry, let me pull it up here. So we look at what Jesus did in his ministry. So, in 
Luke chapter 3. We see Jesus gets baptized. So it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Then it goes on with the genealogy of Christ. But if we back up to Matthew, we can get some more detail. A little bit more anyway. More detail about Jesus getting baptized. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you are coming to me? Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And it says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting on him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then immediately after that, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungry. Now when the tempter came, said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be taken bread. And then Satan takes him through these temptations, which is the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, um, anyway, he took him through these three temptations. And it says, And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in, Caper in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions. And after that, he goes and he starts his earthly ministry. But it's amazing... Because Jesus starts his ministry at the age of 30. He gets baptized in the Jordan right around 30 years old. He receives the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned coming down and resting on Jesus until he is baptized in the Jordan by John. And the other thing, there is not one single recorded miracle performed by Jesus prior to his baptism in the Jordan. Because everything Jesus did that was miraculous, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything. 
And that's because he was in perfect communion with the Father. Like, he would depart to secluded places to spend time with God. And to spend time with the Father. And out of that relationship, he walked around in power. And scripture even says that after he was tempted, he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Meaning everything he did after that point was in the power of the Spirit. And if we go to Acts, back to the book of Acts, which most Bibles title it the Acts of the Apostles, but I think it should be more appropriately titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Like Jesus is talking about this power that's coming. And it's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like it's the Holy Spirit coming and resting on his people and indwelling his people. Like that is, like that's the power Jesus walked in. And on top of that, Jesus also promised authority. Like when we read, when we read Matthew, Chapter 28, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, but you will receive power, and he promises to be with us even to the end of the age. And that's through Holy Spirit. That's how he is with us, is through Holy Spirit. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit, and then, like, we stir up the giftings that are inside of us because of Holy Spirit. We are then able to act in the authority and power that Christ did. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. What a waste of power to have it be in us just so we can live just so we can do good most of the time but oh i still screw up sometimes like what a waste of power because this is the same power that raised jesus from the dead it's the same power that gives us our faith like it's like that same power lives in us the power that Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, the power that came in Acts chapter 2 while they were praying in the upper room. And, like, when that happened, like, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the, when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language which we were born? Then they go on to describe it, all the all the different languages or all the different nationalities that were there. It's like we hear them speaking in our own language, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and confused, saying to one another, what does this mean? Some even mocked and said they were drunk. Peter stands up. He's like, no, these are not drunk. This is what was spoken to you by the prophet Joel. And he quotes Joel 2, 28 through 32 which says in the last and it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy I will show wonders in heaven above, in signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass it. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I read this to tell you that there, that in this portion of prophecy from Joel, there's no gap that says that this will go away. So it says, In the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And I, being God, will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood. Like there's nowhere where where God's like, and signs in the earth beneath, and then I'm not going to do anything for 200 years. Or I'm not going to do anything for 2,000 years. Or 3,000 years or however long it takes for us to get to the blood, fire, and vapor of smoke and the sun into darkness, and the moon into blood. Like, we are still in the end times. We are still in the last days spoken on by the prophet Joel. And this isn't to beat you up. This isn't meant to be a sermon. This is to stir up your faith. And that's what this season's going to be about, is stirring up your faith to believe, first of all, that, that the God who spoke this world into existence, the God who freed his people from Egypt via miracle signs and wonders, the God who became 
who took himself became flesh, walked on this earth, performed miracle signs and wonders as God in the flesh, but as a man, because he took his godliness as far as, like, he took his godly attributes, like, his supernatural attributes, and he set them aside because it's by one man sin entered in the world and death by sin. So it had to be man to pay for the sin. And I get what you're thinking. You're like, but Tony, Jesus is God. Yes, Jesus is God. I am not denying that. But what I'm saying is that he took his godliness and he set it aside and took on flesh. Because it was man who sinned. And so only, only man could break the curse of sin and death. But because sin was passed on from father to son, father to child, because it was man that sinned, so man had to pay for it, the only way it could be done was through a virgin birth. Because then, God becomes the father. But it still had to be man to pay for it. That's why it had to be a virgin birth. That's why it wasn't just Jesus appearing out of nowhere and dying on a cross. It had to be a human virgin birth. Otherwise, the sacrifice was of no effect. Anyway, so so God came to earth as a man, as his son, Jesus. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, performed miracles, signs, and wonders. And then told his closest followers right before he ascended into heaven, that these signs will follow those who believe, and he goes on to talk about miracles, signs, and wonders. And then he kickstarts his church with miracles, signs, and wonders. Do not tell me that the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever who all through scripture is operating in miracles, signs, and wonders, no longer does miracles, signs, and wonders. Now some of you are probably thinking about when, when we're all in heaven, and that, like Jesus said, that, oh, some of you will be like, oh, but we cast out demons in your name. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. And then Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And you're afraid that if you start walking in that, 
that you'll be counted, like if you start walking in miracle signs and wonders, you'll be counted as one of those workers of iniquity. And I'm going to tell you, you have a bad definition of iniquity. Because iniquity means lawlessness. It's, it's working in sin. As in, like, do what you want. And then just pray to Jesus and you'll be all right. That's not how grace works. The Apostle Paul even says, What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Depending on the translation, it either says, Certainly not. Or my personal favorite, how King James says, it says, God forbid. Because that's not what grace is about. That's not what the Christian life is about. When you have a true relationship with Christ, when you have a true relationship with Christ, it will be a life marked with holiness, righteousness, purity. You'll have the Holy Spirit, and so you'll bear fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's what the Spirit produces. So, So if you are going after Christ, you are pursuing a passionate, intimate relationship with Christ. You can't miss it. Because a true relationship with Christ produces good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. So if you are abiding in the vine, you will bear good fruit. Now, the purpose of this podcast is not to win you over logically to miracle signs and wonders. That's not at all. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. But I want you to keep listening. Because... When you start hearing testimonies of people being healed, the conversation's going to change. Because just like when John the Baptist was thrown into prison, after he had heard God audibly speak, saying, This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased, he had audio confirmation. That Jesus was the Son of God and he was the Messiah. But he was put in prison. And so John sent his followers after, or to talk to Jesus to go, to ask him, Hey, are you the one we're looking for? Or do we search for another? And Jesus' response, his response was, 
the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead are raised. <laughs> Determine for yourself. And that's all I'm saying. So like the next few episodes, like I want the rest of this season to just be testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have either prayed for someone and they've been healed or someone prayed for them and they were healed. Like, like I want to hear those stories because we could debate scripture until we are blue in the face and Christ comes back. Like, that is a possibility. I've been guilty of it myself. Not necessarily about this, but about other things. So, like, we could debate what we think the scripture means and what the Apostle Paul was talking about here versus here. Like, we could debate that until we're blue in the face. But you can't argue with testimony. Like, you just can't. And so that's what the rest of this season is going to be about. Just testimony after testimony after testimony. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to this church in Corinth. And he's talking about, like, he's introducing everything. Like, he introduces the letter or whatnot. There's a lot of divisions among them. And like there's a lack of unity. And someone in the church were saying that, oh, I'm a Paul or I'm of Apollos or I'm of Cephas or I'm of Christ or I'm of John Calvin or I'm a Wesleyan or like it. Like it is Christ divided. Or was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Was John Wesley crucified for you? I think it's John Wesley. Yeah. Was Was Charles Spurgeon crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of of Billy Graham. Is Christ divided? Like I said, I could debate scripture with you till I'm blue in the face, but that's not the point. So Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, for I determined not to know anything among, among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of, of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that is my goal with this season. I want to help bolster your faith 
but not with human wisdom, not with persuasive words. Because again, we could debate what Paul means by any sort of scripture until we are blue in the face and Christ returns. But I want your I want to help you grow in your faith, grow in your belief that God is the God of the impossible. Like Jesus even flat out says, all things are possible to him who believes. That is the prerequisite is that you believe. Not that you're some super holy person. No, it's that you believe. And yes, even the demons believe and tremble. I get that. But it's belief through faith in Christ. And then you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. There's a reason third world countries see miracle signs and wonders, because they are fully dependent on God. Just when, when people are healed, the story when people are healed, the conversation changes. When we look all through the book of Acts, we see people getting radically healed. Like there was a guy sitting at a at the beautiful gate of the temple. He's begging for food. And as he's begging, a couple people walk past him. They're just going about their day. Peter and John are going to the temple to worship. At the hour of prayer, there was a certain lame man from his mother's womb. Now, I want to remind you that this is a true story. This actually happened. And he was begging in those who entered from those who entered the temple, and he saw Peter and John go into the temple, and he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So now remember, these guys were not wealthy. So the conversation probably went, just so you can picture this, like these are two guys who were not very wealthy. They just spent three years with Jesus in the wilderness and walking around being discipled by their rabbi. And so they're walking into the temple at about at the time of prayer, and the dude sitting at the gate, he's like, Hey, can you spare some change? And Peter looks at him like with a purpose. And he's like, look at us. And it very well could have been like, look at us. Does it look like we have money? That very well could have been that kind of look at us. But he says, look at us. And it got the guy's attention. And he was expecting to receive something. And Peter goes, silver and gold I do not have. Now watch this confidence, this boldness in Christ. 
because he now knew where he stood in relationship with Christ. He understood his identity. He understood that he had the God of creation on his side, the God who spoke the world into existence. He understood that that God, God of creation, was with him and was indwelling him, was living inside of him. Like, he understood that. He's like, look at me. Look at us. I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He doesn't ask him to walk. He doesn't go, oh, could you please get up? Like, if you could just try to stand. I mean, I know you haven't walked at all in your life, but if you could just try to stand. And he doesn't, like, get down on his knees, put his, clasp his hands together, put them up over his head and go, Dear Father God, if if you could just please heal, heal this, heal this lame man, Lord, and, like, that, that would just be great. Um, it'd be such a great testimony for you, Lord. Like, if you could just, just please heal this lame man, Lord, that, just, thank you, Lord, you are amazing. No. That's not how this happens at all. Because Peter knows who he is. He knows who his God is. He knows where he stands in relationship with Jesus. And he knows that he has God in him. He knows that he's walking in the Holy Spirit. So notice, Peter doesn't even pray before doing this. He doesn't. He just, he's going about his day. He's going to the temple to pray. Like during the hour of prayer, he's going to worship. And as he's going in, this beggar's like, hey, do you have any change to spare? And Peter goes, look at me. Look at us. I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, immediately, his feet received strength. His feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leapt up and stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping with joy and praising God. And we could end the story there, but that's not where the story ends. No, you know what happens? People see this guy get healed. The conversation has now changed. Like, oh, those are followers of the way. Oh, we should avoid them because that's not the proper, the proper way to do. Like, that's not the proper way to be a Jew and whatnot. But what they see is a notable miracle. They see someone who is known to be paralyzed since they were born born, not just walking, but leaping for joy, <laughs> and this presents an opportunity for them to be 
like for them to preach. It says, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? He's like, why are you looking at us? We're nobody special. I'm nobody special. Said, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And the killer and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, which we are all witnesses, and his name. Now here's the key to unlocking this whole thing. Because I can't heal people. Like, I'm not a healer. But God is. Christ is. I am not a healer. Though the people you go to conferences to see who lay their hands on someone and they get healed, those people are not healers. It says, and his name, through faith in his name, has made him strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So this healing opens the door for people to receive Christ. And that's any time the Spirit moves, any time the Holy Spirit works, and someone gets healed, that is an opportunity, that is an invitation into relationship. And that's what it's about. It's not about, oh, look at me, I'm so spiritual, like, I can pray for someone and they get healed. No, it's about, hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, this sickness did not come from God, but he can take it away. Hey, God may have allowed this to happen, but if you let him, he'll remove it. Because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. That's the whole point of this. Stir up your faith. And this becomes a tool, an evangelistic tool to share the gospel. Because how can you deny that God exists when the very person denying the, ex the existence of God gets healed by God? So, I'm going to wrap it up here. If you have 
a healing testimony, I want to hear it. I want to feature it. I want to share your healing testimony with the world that Christ may be magnified, that the gospel will go out by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So again, if you have a healing testimony, I want to hear it. Or maybe, maybe you're hearing about this all for the first time. Maybe you even need healing. Reach out. I want to pray for you. Not because I'm anybody special. Because I'm not. I'm I'm just a passionate follower of Christ. A disciple trying to be like the rabbi. Not be the rabbi, but be like the rabbi. In everything I do, because we were called to live like Christ. We were called to have this mind in us that was in Christ Jesus. So again, if you have a testimony, if you have a prayer request for healing, I want to hear it. You can send me a message uh, at Share the Love Ministries on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can email me at anthony.sharethelove at live.com. Because it's not about persuasive words of human wisdom. It's just not. It's not about... It's not about can I argue you into the kingdom. It's not about can you argue an atheist into the kingdom. You can't stronghold people. Again, I, it's not about persuasive words of, hu of human wisdom. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Father, thank you. Thank you for everything you've blessed us with, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Fill, fill the studio, fill, well, this closet, I should say. Um, fill whatever room, whoever's listening, fill their room, Lord. Let them feel your presence. More, Lord. More. So whoever needs healing right now, Lord, just... Just touch them. Like, if they have, like, sciatic nerve damage, just touch their back. And sciatic nerve and back pain be healed right now in Jesus' name. All pain has to get out right now. No more pain. All 
all knee pain has to go right now, whether it's left knee or right knee, it has to go right now in Jesus' name. And if you're listening to this and you just happen to have a headache, that headache has to leave right now in Jesus' name. Has to go. Cannot stay. On the authority of, and the power of the blood of Jesus, that pain has to go. If you're battling cancer... I curse that cancer right now in Jesus' name. That cancer has to go. Cannot stay. If you're fighting COVID-19, that virus has to go right now in Jesus' name. It cannot stay. Be healed of that right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I'm not somebody special. Thank you that it's you that heals that. Because the name of Jesus is above any pain. And that the name of Jesus is above any virus. Or any disease. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to Simple Gospel. I cannot do this podcast without your help. As you see, there's only so many times I can share my own testimonies of someone getting healed. So that's where you come in. If you have a healing testimony, or if through this show you were healed, I want to hear about it. So send me a message at Share the Love Ministries on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can send me an email directly at anthony.sharethelove.com at live.com and if you didn't catch that don't worry I've posted it in the description below have a great day God bless